You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is up, everybody, and welcome to episode 374 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am Scott Coleman, filling in for Brad Roland tonight, and I am joined by longtime co-host Eric Cole. Uh, spoiler alert, if you're listening to this podcast, it was not the best day for the Braves, but win, lose, or draw, uh, Eric and I are going to break it all down and then, of course, look ahead. Eric, how you doing? Oh, you know, life is pain, Scott. That's just kind of how that this whole evening's gone. Uh, I've had, you know, obviously had to deal with a tough nine to one loss in game three here, and then I have had people in my mentions, you know, defending to the death that Marcelo Zuna needs to be the everyday DH and that the Braves shouldn't have extended Spencer Strider. Uh, Jake Odorizzi should have started this game, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it's been kind of a wild one on my end. What's been going on with you? Uh, yeah, the streets are hot. I mean, it was it was a bad game. We're not going to sugarcoat it. We're not going to make excuses. That was a really bad game today for the Braves. But you know what? At the end of the day, they have to win two games in a row. And I, that that's certainly doable. I know people are frustrated. I was very frustrated this afternoon. I'm sure you were too, Eric. But the fact is that th- there's two games left in the season. And if the Braves can win both, the season continues. Um, and as we're going to talk about a little bit later on, looking ahead, the, you know, the pitching matchups are fine. And um, it, it's just been it's been a frustrating first three games to the, to the series so far, other than maybe that one sixth inning on game two. Uh, but, yeah, man, I mean, it's, the Braves, they, they've looked almost like they're sleepwalking through a better part of this series so far. Yeah, and it's just. It feels like a kind of a top to bottom failure that you just well I say top to bottom there's all there's it's just there's not one problem it's not like the starters just haven't gotten the job done I mean they've had three guys who have done anything offensively really uh, we had a little bit more of that you know in terms of you know some offense from this game you know like Michael Harris woke up a little bit but I mean if it, without Ronnie Matt and Darno I mean like this is a sweep <laughs> like, like this like and it's it, it's embarrassing it's you know the Dansby's has two hits in the series and you know neither one ended up being particularly consequential and yeah Austin Riley. I mean, Austin, Austin Riley's done nothing and he's been great against the Phillies this year you know Michael Harris hasn't been good the bottom of the lineup has basically been an automatic out all of them so it's just it's just kind of tough when you like you know the the bullpen's been great I'll say that the bullpen's been good, but beyond that, I mean, it's been kind of just a rough series to watch. Yeah, shout out Kyle Wright, who was yeah. I mean, you mentioned the the, the starting pitching so far. I mean, Max Fried, of course, was not great. Uh, we'll we'll dig into Spencer Strider a little bit today, even if he had some tough circumstances. But um, yeah, it, it's been a, a tough series so far. But again, it's it's the best of five, and it is certainly not over. Um, Going into the game today, there was some pretty significant news going into game three after the off day. Uh, Of course, folks know by now, but Spencer Strider was selected to start. Charlie Morton will now pitch in game four. Um, It sounds like even Charlie and Spencer weren't fully sure what the plan was until this morning. I believe Charlie Morton noted that in his uh, his press conference earlier before the game, he was going into today thinking he was going to start. Um, obviously, Eric, it's it's all revisionist, and we talked a little bit about the pros and cons of the of the ordering after game two. 
but did you have any strong takes? Of course, hindsight's going to be 2020, but did you have any strong takes going into the start today? Well, I thought if Spencer Strider was healthy, that they should have started him, right? But it gets a little bit tricky when you're like, you know, like how many innings are you going to throw him? Uh, we found out after the game that, you know, Snicker was hopeful that he would get through four innings. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about kind of some of the decision making that went, you know, went on in that third inning where things really went awry. But, you know, like when if you're doing that, you really want to use all your bullpen arms in game three versus game four. You know, it, it, it was it, it was an understandably tricky position. I do think that the Braves, though, felt that Spencer was healthy and that they thought that they could get four innings out of him. And for two innings like that looked like absolutely like 100 percent correct. Right. So because I do think that Spencer's a better pitcher. And I think that in a clo- in a matchup like this where you have Aaron Nola on the hill, who the Braves have had some success against this year, but. You know, you can't expect to like put up six on him. So if you think that you know Spencer Strider can go out there and give you four innings and you know keep the game really close, that I understand that I understand the compulsion. I didn't have a strong feeling about it because again, if they didn't if if they didn't feel like Spencer was built up enough or they wanted to kind of maybe go with Morton in Game Three to you know kind of use the bullpen's arms they wanted to use in game three and then just kind of throw the, you know, kind of stitch it together the rest of the way for game four. You know, when we ha- when you have a situation like that where you only have a guy that's going to be available for an X number of innings where Bowman was 100% right for a, wh- a while is that they, he was always going to not pitch deep into the game. When you have to kind of like plan for a bullpen game, you know, how you kind of play that chess game of, you know, like which guys you use and when. I understand the compulsion to do it in in game three though, because then you can, you have a plan. Like we're just going to use these guys unless the, you know, if the game's close or we're winning, we use these guys. If we're not, we use these guys. Right. So it, it, that kind of allows you to game plan a little bit, but for me, just, you know, in a vacuum, if Spencer Strider is healthy and he gives you the best shot to win, then you put him in game three. Cause then you have a chance to close it out. You have two chances to close it out. Didn't work out that way, but I certainly understand the thought process. And I think that everyone thought that, you know, having, if you have Spencer Strider available, run him out there. Yeah, that's well said. And I felt the same. Um, now it, it, you know, a lot of pressure is going to fall on Charlie Morton in game four. He of course is a veteran. He has done this many, many times. He's pitched in, I believe three of the last five World Series now going back to his years with with Tampa Bay and Houston. So uh, the Braves are really going to need Charlie to step up uh, on Saturday. The only other of note change for the game, Von Grissom found himself in the starting lineup, kind of randomly found himself in the the starting lineup. It seemed like the Braves had uh, really shifted to Orlando Arcia at second base. We, of course, know that Vaughn was so, so good whenever he came up. But since then, he had a a 613 OPS over his last 27 games coming in. Not that Arcia is a star by any means, but, uh, you know, I don't really know what they were trying to do. Maybe there were some uh, metrics or advanced scouting where they thought Vaughn might have a chance against Aaron Nola. But, I mean, I, I don't know if Vaughn even made contact with the baseball in his two at-bats today and looked really bad doing it. And granted, he was not the only one taking empty hacks against Darren Nola, but that that was a little surprising. And I think it's almost a certainty we will see Orlando back in there tomorrow. Yeah, it was. Uh, here's my thing, right? Like, obviously, Orlando Arcia with his five plate appearance or whatever, seven plate appearance, you know, sample against Aranola hasn't been particularly good. Asking a rookie that you called up from double A cold, uh, who has like barely played in the, towards the end of the season to just like, hey, by the way, you're going to be starting in game three. It's against one of the better pitchers in the National League. That felt a bit, that felt suspect to me. I do think that that difference was somewhat marginal. You know, I don't necessarily have high expectations from Orlando Arcia on, you know, if he does something, I'm like happy. But for the most part, it kind of is what it is. And, you know, Orlando is a pretty good defender. So, you know, sometimes I think you can get a little bit too cute with that sort of stuff. The the bigger issue I had was the the, the DH and left field situation where, you know, you, you're running out Marcelo Zuna and Eddie Rosario out there uh, and just continuing to leave one of your best bats on the bench. Yeah. what What's the definition of insanity? Uh, just expecting Ozuna and Rosario to suddenly hit. It, it's crazy, man. Like like Bill Contreras was legitimately one of the better hitters 
in the entire league this year. He had the same WRC plus as Bryce Harper. Now, I'm not saying that Contreras is as good as Bryce Harper. He can impact a game that way, but I don't get it. I mean, I think for for a team that in a manager and a front office that that hit the right button so many times last year during the World Series run, there's been some really, really odd decision making in these first couple of games. Right. Like Robbie Grossman gets pinched hit for against a lefty. Didn't understand that one in game one. Vaughn Grissom suddenly getting tossed into the fire when he's barely played in a month. And then this this DH situation, I just don't get it. Like if the Braves are somehow convinced that Ozuna is good, then throw him in left field, I guess. Like like what what has Eddie Rosario done all year to warrant like an automatic start against right handed pitching, which is effectively what they've done ever since he's come back from the eye injury. I just I mean, all year long, left field has been a, a black hole, quite honestly, for the team. It's just a shame they don't have anybody who's hitting out there. And you know, it didn't help matters either that Ozuna went 0 for 4, three strikeouts. Uh, and you know, we talked about swinging at air a few minutes ago. I mean, he wasn't even close with some of his at-bats. Yeah, and again, like, people, like, if you look at, like, Ozuna's career numbers against Aaron Nola, like, I would be very curious as to what those numbers looked like over the last two seasons because yeah. my suspicion is that they will look an awful lot, if not worse, than his numbers over the last two seasons, which despite this one person in my mentions who's a diehard Marcelo Zuna stan, like, he has been bad. And you you can't go, hey, this guy was good three years ago against Aaron Nola. We're going to run him out there in a playoff game. Trust me, it'll work this time, right? You know, and again, if even if you want to do that, I just don't understand why you don't put Ozuna in left and DH Bill Contreras. Because again... Eddie Rosario, who I will never I, – I, it's impossible to really like comprehend what he did against the Dodgers and during that playoff run. I get it. I, I, I get that part that everyone's like, it could be playoff Eddie again, but he has done nothing to make you think that he's going to do that this year. And you have a guy who made the all-star team as the DH on the t- from the team that he is not the primary DH for. And you have him just sitting there, and you don't play him in the playoffs. You just don't. He played Wednesday. That's it. And I just, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. You have to have him in there. I don't care. I mean, unless, like, they think that Travis Dorno is literally about to, like, break every bone in his body or something. You know, he's like Mr. Glass or whatever. And, you know, or or possibly that, you know, Contreras is dealing with an injury, something of his own. That 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 is possibly information we don't have. But, like, objectively, I don't get it. The lineup construction has been weird. The... The, the pitching decisions have been weird. Uh, and I'm not talking about like the, the start decision to start Strider, kind of like how decisions have come about. It's almost like they've kind of like abandoned actual game planning and like, you know, like having strategies and just kind of gone with their gut too many times. And it's been to the Braves detriment. Now that's not what costs the Braves this game. I just want to be clear about that. <laughs> there was a lot of things wrong, but it certainly doesn't help when you are playing guys and not putting them in a position for success, not putting out your most optimal lineup. And then you're going against the guy who, I mean, Aaron Ole is very, very good. And he pitched his brains out today. That doesn't put you in a really good position. And that's kind of what we've started to see. Yeah, it has. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the the game planning element. It, it has. It's just been an odd three games. Like even, even things like the defensive positioning. I know fans will argue until they're blue in the face about the shifting. But even like the Braves' defensive positioning has not been great. Now, we're talking about three games. It's such a small sample, right? Like, we're not suggesting there's anything wrong internally, but it's just been a frustrating three games. And not to uh, be a broken record, but, hey, they have two more chances to uh, win this thing and turn the boat around. And, uh, you know, depending on when you are listening to this podcast, it's entirely possible the Braves, uh, their season might be over. I mean, it's been a really bad couple of games, and and we talked about it on the, the preview podcast that, The Phillies are a good team, man. Like they have a lot of elements of what has worked in October the last few years. They have power. They have really good top end starting pitching. The the back end of the rotation stinks, but they have good top end starting pitching. Sounds familiar to the Atlanta Braves last year. They have some real power in the back of their bullpen uh, with Alvarado and Eflin and, and Dominguez, guys who can throw hard. 
Um, and that's just a, it's a veteran lineup. So um, we'll see if Atlanta can can turn it around. Um, Eric, did you have any other just kind of like general thoughts before we maybe breeze through the the nine innings today? No, nothing general. I mean, we kind of kind of we, like a, a lot of this. What we've talked about previously is just going to kind of like be reflected in these the small. I, I I want to call them little things, but they're just going to be like it. Just there's going to be recurring themes throughout like both this game and just kind of things we've seen in the previous parts of the series. That just you know some of it's just like makes you roll your eyes. Like really, that's what's going to happen in this game. But you know at, at the end of the day, it, it, a lot of these like small decisions end up mattering and cascade into bigger problems. So we can go ahead and get into the game here. Yeah, like. So first inning wasn't bad, right? Braves, it's been a little bit of a theme in the series, but the Braves had some early action against Aaron Nola. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., who seemed to have no ill effects of getting hit on the elbow with a pitch the other night. Uh, Ronald leads off with a single. Matt Olson walks, has a really good at bat. Uh, but again, the Braves, despite having opportunities, just couldn't do anything with it. A couple of ground outs from Austin Riley and Travis Darneau. Uh, and then Spencer Strider looked fantastic, really, in the first and the second innings. The velocity was great. Uh, the fastball was humming. He had a really nice bite on the slider. Uh, it looked like, at least for a couple of innings, we were going to have really good Spencer Strider today. Um, I mean, even like the, the broadcast was like marveling at how dominant he looked. Uh, so at least for the first two innings, things were were not too bad. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like the the strikeout of Bryce Harper, I mean, it's hard to make Bryce Harper look that bad on a slider that like is out of the zone. He just generally doesn't swing at that stuff, you know what I mean? He you can get things past him sometimes and you can fool him, but not like that. And it was like it was like a full on sword. We're like, okay, this is gonna be a good day for Spencer. He he might be able to be efficient enough to maybe go a little bit further than the Braves thought he could. Like we were like all these like all the national guys were like, this guy's unhittable. Um, and, and he looked the part. Right? He's throwing 98-99. Um, I will say the, the top half of the second inning was pretty brutal. Uh, those at-bats from uh, Michael Harris, Ozuna, and Grissom, I mean, he just, like, Nola just took their lunch money. It was a bad call. And uh, the bad call, strike three call on Michael Harris, I will say that. That was out of the zone. And I will say that the umpiring in this game was suspect. Uh, I, again, not the reason the Braves lost the game. But it's certainly not a reason to give the umps a pass either, because there were some very, very questionable calls. A lot of them went against the Braves. A few didn't. There's some pretty bad calls against Philadelphia too. Uh, so I mean, I don't want to like. I think it was Bill Miller behind the plate tonight. He did not do a particularly great job. But at the end of the day, you know, that's not really what caused the problems. And again, you know, but in the second inning, you think that you you have something going with Strider and things are looking good, and then. We get to the third inning where things kind of fell apart. Yeah, and they did. And again, I think folks listening know what happened in the third. But as a as a painful recap, um, it was pretty apparent right away that Strider had lost his velocity. I think you noted, Eric, the first pitch he threw was at 95 miles an hour after he was pretty comfortably at 98, 99. He even hit 101, I believe, in the second inning. So uh, that was a concern uh, knowing the Braves were hoping for four innings out of Spencer. I guess that they get a little bit of a pass for not having relievers like actively warming up in the bullpen ready to go. And frankly, before the, the start of the third inning where there was the velocity drop, there was really no reason for concern with Strider. But as we know, it, it quickly unraveled. So a leadoff walk, I believe it was on four pitches. Then you have a, an errant pickoff throw with, with Brandon Marsh at first base. I don't even know why you're worried about Brandon Marsh at first base all that much. He He's not like a huge threat. It's not like it's Trey Turner where it's just inevitable that he's going to run. So then you allow him to get to third. And then I thought where the game probably changed was Bryson Stott of all people. Bryson Stott had a really good eight or nine pitch at bat against Strider fouled off a couple of really tough pitches on the black and then golfed a, a slider down in the zone. It wasn't even a bad pitch. I think it was probably a ball, uh, but yeah, he, it was that it was way down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, again, it wasn't like strider was hanging stuff or just left one down the middle, though. That's a little bit of foreshadowing as to what was going to come. Um, but I, I think looking back on it, when striders, a, the velocity was down B, he issues a four pitch walk C makes an errant throw to first, which probably uh, shook him a little bit. 
and then D loses a nine pitch at bat, and suddenly it's one nothing. The ballpark is going nuts. You know, it, it just seemed like things were quickly beginning to unravel. And at the time, the Braves really just had, I, I think just then was the moment when the bullpen was starting to get up. Yeah, and I just, here's my thing, right? If you think he's going to go four, right, you need to have at least some, like, casual warming up happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, especially, and after the four-pitch walk where, like, his velocity's very clearly down, I know that Snicker wants to have, he, like, he, he wants to trust his guys, right? He wants to, he's like, you know what, he just had, a, you know, a bat at bat, some pitches were getting away from him. But, I mean, again, the velo was down, like, three miles an hour over what he had been doing. And, like, that should have been enough, like, hey, you know what, go ahead and start doing some soft toss and maybe a throw. You know, you don't have to, like, be in full turbo get-ready-quick mode, but you need to be able to get guys up there faster. You know what I mean? You have to get guys going, uh, in, in my mind, especially since you're already planning on t- – you were already planning on, like, trying to get four out of him. And if things are starting to go sideways, as was a very realistic possibility for a guy who hadn't been stretched back out, coming off an injury, hadn't pitched in a while – you have to kind of be ready for that sort of thing in the playoff game. You can't just like kind of hope that he's just going to grit it out, uh, you know, in a game that you really, really, really want to win. <laughs> and, you know, and then you put in the situation where like, you know, the a, a double on a, what wasn't a bad, that wasn't a bad pitch, but you know, again, the double scores the run and, you know, then all of a sudden you intentionally walk Kyle Schwarber, oh, to, you know, and yeah. the, like, you know, look, three base runners in the third inning, you will, I, I'm not going to be convinced of that. You like, I understand that Reese Hoskins can look bad sometimes, but that dude is dangerous. And you have a guy whose velo is down and he's having trouble commanding his stuff. I just don't see the wisdom in doing that whatsoever. And as it turns out, when you throw 93.8 miles an hour straight down the middle of the Reese Hoskins, that's the one thing that he is. That's the one thing you absolutely can't do to that guy. Uh, if he beats you, like if you throw, you know, if you throw a ball up, like up in the zone or you, you get it in on him and he still gets the barrel on it, like you can live with that. But that pitch was grooved and it got launched and all yeah. of a sudden it was a four nothing game. And yeah, it was not good. The vibes were off. I will say the only, uh, for Hoskins, that was a sweet bat flip. Like, he slammed that. Oh, the, like, oh, 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 yeah, the spike. Yeah, it was 100% good. I yeah. do it, too. As as much as I'm obviously rooting for the Braves <clears throat> and don't like the Phillies, I mean, that, that was pretty cool. In the moment, um, I mean, credit to their fans. It was the first home playoff game the Phillies have had in, like, a decade. So they, they were jacked up, ready to go. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Strider only lasted one hitter after the home run. You mentioned there was a steep decline in velocity. And then you're just worried about, like, injury, right? Like, you you don't want to leave him out there, and you don't want him to tweak something again. Because on the chance the Braves can win these next two games, very obviously the chances for the Braves to make a deep run are so much higher if you have Spencer Strider even at, like, 80%. That, that That's huge. Um, Strider stays in, gives up a single to Real Muto. And then uh, Dylan Lee came in in relief of Strider. And as we know, he threw a 94-mile-an-hour fastball right down the pipe to Bryce. And he hit it deep, 6 nothing. And, I mean, the game wasn't over. It was the third inning. But that was just so deflating in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And, again, it was just, like, two, like, terrible mistake pitches to the worst possible guys. Like, Hoskins is, like, a guy who'd been sitting fastball basically all series. If you throw him breaking stuff, even if you throw it for a strike, he probably swings through it or he just stares at it. Uh, and instead you just do the one thing that he's sitting on and, you know, he punishes you for it. And then Bryce Harper, I mean, like, you know, we Bryce fans like the meme on Bryce and he's clearly not the same guy he usually is because of the injury, but you just can't do that to him. You just can't. And, you know, you're, you have the lefty on lefty matchup, you know, and to just kind of groove one into him like that, he's going to, punish you and that's exactly what he did and all of a sudden it was six nothing and you know it just it, it happened so fast i mean you know put, just putting up that you know putting up six runs all of a sudden you know it it it, it was ugly and then you know it, cha- it changed the course of the game now as you, we kind of talked about a little bit before the podcast if you are going to lose a postseason game you know, getting down really bad really early is there's worse ways to lose them because then you can start making some decisions planning for the future a little bit Oh, 100%. Like, if you're going to lose a playoff game, lose 9-1, to one, where nobody of consequence really had to pitch today. I guess Jesse Chavez threw an inning, but 
you know, looking ahead to game four, other than Jake Odorizzi, who we're going to talk about here in a minute, other than Jake Odorizzi, everybody will be available for game four. I mean, one, naturally everybody is available because your season is on the line. It's win or go home. Uh, but every single time, if you're going to lose in the playoffs, give me the nine to one loss, even if they are frustrating, then like a three to two loss in 10 innings today would have been catastrophic for the Braves. Like if they had to run through Kenley and Minter and Iglesias and McHugh, and it was just this mental letdown at the end of it, that would have been 10 times worse in my humble opinion. And I think you feel similarly, Eric, uh, not to, not to gloss over what was a frustrating nine to one defeat, but give me that kind of loss 10 times out of 10. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, even if Morton's not at his best, you still have a couple of guys who can go multiple innings like Stevens or McHugh. Uh, most of those guys can pitch multiple innings if need be. We've seen AJ Minter uh, pull through multiple innings, uh, particularly in playoff games as well. So, you know, all those things can happen, you know, and, you know, Jesse Chavez, he threw a couple innings today. But, I mean, you know. Jesse Chavez is what, you know, 57 years old or whatever. I don't think that he's going to turn down the, he's not going to say, sorry guys, my arm's tired. I'm not going to pitch in, in a winner go home, winner go home type pit game. So again, I think that everyone's going to be ready other than Odorizzi. And again, you didn't use the guys that you really like in a close game, you have to have available. They're going to be super fresh. So if you're looking for a silver lining, other than the fact that they have some guys like seeing having like Ronnie playing well, he's clearly playing well. He, ha, he you know, uh, took advantage of some pretty suspect defensive play from uh, Alec Bohm, our longtime friend, uh, <laughs> to get on base as well. And, you know, he, he's looked good. And Matt Olson's been getting on base like crazy. Travis Darno has been really good. So they have a couple guys that are actually doing something. But if you're looking for more of a silver lining type thing is that, you know, the next at least for sure tomorrow, potentially game five, depending on how everything kind of turns out. You you have to like where your matchups are, and you have to like how your bullpen's feeling. Because the the Phillies have at least had to use some arms over the last few few days, whereas the Braves' bullpen should be really, really fresh. Uh, and unfortunately for the rest of the game, uh, things kind of only went worse for the Braves. But in fairness, it wasn't necessarily... Um, any any bullpen arms that you're like wow I hope that they're uh, I hope that they can turn things around because they're going to need them later in the series. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, Eric, we're going to take a quick break, hear from our sponsors, then we'll break down the rest of the game and then look ahead to Game Four. We'll be right back. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is you know the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Eric, we are back. Um, again, as listeners know, not a ton of offense in this one, uh, nothing doing in the fourth or fifth innings. It is worth noting Jake Odorizzi did do his job today, three scoreless, um, or he might have allowed an earned run at the end of it with, with a runner he left on when he departed. But Jake Odorizzi did his job, saved the bullpen. 
Uh, in the sixth inning, it was still 6 nothing. The game was not over, but not looking great. Um, and the Braves had a little bit of a rally, maybe their best rally of the day, other than that first inning. Uh, Dansby Swanson, a leadoff double, which he really needed. I mean, he has not looked good. And then we just talked about Matt Olson walked. Uh, but unfortunately, man, that that's kind of where everything uh, fell apart. So Austin Riley struck out. Uh, man, I don't know. I, I know we've talked about Austin Riley a little bit, but he has just not been great for a couple of months now. I mean, he was never the, like, greatest hitter in baseball run that he was on for a couple of months there in the summertime. Uh, but Austin Riley has one hit in the series, and it was the 15-foot dribbler that played it a run in game two. Um, thankfully, the Phillies defense, and uh, I don't really know what happened with Reese Hoskins, but Reese Hoskins drops a would-be double play. Then Michael Harris hits a ball over his head to make it 6-1. to one. Uh, But unfortunately, that was that was really all the offense the Braves were going today. Yeah, and again, you know, <laughs> it's just it was a frustrating thing. It was nice to see Harris at least get something going. Get you know, maybe that helps him build a little bit of confidence, and hopefully that gets him going. But Austin's looked really bad, like just really this some uncompetitive at bats, which is not characteristic of Austin. Like I at least not the recent history. Of Austin usually, if, even when he's scuffling, you know, they're like long at bats, and he ends up just getting you know beat, or you know he's still hitting the ball hard, but he just has not looked good lately at all. Um, you know, and then obviously, you know, the only time Marcelo Zuna didn't strike out was a ground out in that inning to end it. Uh, so, you know, but you, you got three, three plus innings out of Odorizzi. He had a couple base runners, uh, that he got inherited that, <laughs> that were left for Jesse Chavez, uh, in the seventh. But I mean, again, considering what you needed from Odorizzi, which is just to, to eat up some innings and get some bullpen, you know, I, I made some, I made, I was making jokes on Twitter, uh, over and over again, you know, just, you know, like, you know, this is going to be the, the Brad Roland redemption tour uh, with Jake Odorizzi pitching well. And he did pitch well. Honestly, he did uh, to, to to do what he did. It was certainly an adventure at times. I mean, he had the two base runners in the seventh, uh, took him 23 pitches for his first innings just to even get through it. But he still managed to kind of, you know, he got what the Braves needed out of him uh, in, I think, an import, more important spot than I think people may realize, uh, and in the moment, I don't think people particularly cared about this, where they were looking at the scoreboard and being sad. Um, but unfortunately, we get into the seventh inning where, you know, things really kind of get awry, go awry. I do want to say that there were some really frustrating decisions in the top of the seventh inning. First, Arcia pinch hits for Grissom, which is correct, but irritates me because the reason why you didn't play Arcia in the first place is because you didn't want to play him against Nola, and then you put him in there against Nola, Again, and hysterically, he singled in his in in his at bat against him, and then William Contreras is pinch hit for Rosario with Alvarado on the mound, and that tilted me. Again, it just why is he not in the lineup? Now Alvarado did his job. I can't stand Alvarado. I can't stand his rebuilding the mound thing. And you know, while he didn't have to do he didn't do that in this game, but the the rebuilding the mound at truest and then like you know complaining that you know Braves players aren't respecting the game or whatever tilts me to no end but he was very very good and you haven't played Bill very much despite the fact he's been one of your better hitters this year and then you put him in cold against a guy who throws 100 miles an hour and like that's you you burn him you know what I mean you just pinch hit him in that spot I Again, it's just these decisions just really bother me. Like, you know, if you're really want to pinch hit against a left hand, a lefty, you know, why aren't you running out Robbie Grossman if you were wanting to try to save Bill Contreras? Or maybe you're going to put Bill in there for, you know, in a different spot. But I just, I don't get it. I just, again, when you, when you see these things happen in the, you know, not in a vacuum and you actually see them in play and you realize like, you know, you just had one of your best bats and you burned them in a really tough situation. I just, I don't understand it. And, you know, that was, and that, that was the Braves top half of the inning, basically. It's just, you know, was just, you know, wasted pinch hit opportunities for guys who probably should have been in the lineup in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to beat the dead horse, but there, there have been some interesting lineup decisions through the first 27 innings of this series, I guess we'll say. Um, as you noted, the game was still decently close uh, at this point. It was six to one. Obviously, it's it's not a bloop and a blast, but it, the game is not over. We know the Philly bullpen has imploded at times this year, but uh, Bryce Harper nearly homered. Michael Harris almost made 
an incredible running catch at the wall and hit him right in the palm of his glove and then popped out. Of course, that makes it seven to one. And then Babe Ruth, a.k.a. Nick Castellanos this week, hits a two run single to make it nine to one. And then it was it was really over. Um, as we noted, at least it was against Jesse Chavez and Odorizzi. It wasn't like Snitker had to go deep into his bullpen today. But at nine to one in the seventh, it was it was, you know, the game was effectively over. Yeah, I have no idea how that ball that Bryce hit didn't go out. That ball was nuked. <laughs> like I heard the I heard the contact on that and I was like, well, he's <laughs> dude, he yeah. he is so good. Like again, like I know Braves fans hate Bryce probably because he's terrorized them for like a decade now, but I, I don't know a few people have noted this. I don't know if there's a hitter in baseball who terrifies me more standing in the box than Bryce. What what about you? I, I'm guessing you probably feel similarly. I mean, Bryce is up there. I mean, if you're talking about right now, I don't think I would be ever comfortable with Jordan Alvarez in the in the box. Um, but I have to think about that. I mean, nationally, guys like Bryce is really, really high up there just because he's again, he's he, when he does damage, it's not like you know he comes in clutch with an opposite field single, right? Like he's he's gonna break your heart in the worst possible way if he's gonna do it. There's some guys in the American League. I mean, like obviously, if Mike Mike Trout was coming to the plate uh, in a, in a key spot. You know, I would just assume that was not going to end well, you know, that those sort of things. But I mean, like National League wise, I mean, it's probably Rice. I mean, like there's definitely I mean, like guys like Mookie Betts, you know, you know, obviously Freddie Freeman now with the Dodgers. Those are guys like I, I certainly wouldn't want to see on the other side. But, you know, you feel like you have a chance against them and, you know, that there's a chance that, you know, that they don't do that much to you. But Bryce is just a guy. I mean, and we got to see this particularly when Bryce was going against Julio Tehran. Uh, and I think that where some of this like that PTSD comes from is like, you know, yeah. whenever it was Julio versus Bryce, everyone's just like, Julio, just don't throw him a strike. Just don't do it. You know, just just put him on. We and because we, we, we saw how that went a lot in that in that particular matchup. So I think that where some of that's from come from. But it's also a lot of respect for Bryce. I mean, he's again, we kind of it's easy to forget in Bryce's case, what kind of like an all world talent he is. I mean, like, you know, to be the kind of, you know, to, to be the number one pick when he, the way he was and how hyped he was and to still be as good, you know, despite all the attention and as quickly as he had to, he was run through the minor leagues and all that just to kind of turn into the player he is, is frankly remarkable. He's not, you know, he's, is he the best player in the league? No, but he's very, very dangerous and you have to respect him in that regard. And he's one of those guys where, in terms of making mistakes, especially like if you're, you're not going to groove <laughs> well, as again, as Spencer Strider found out, you're or not Spencer Strider uh, as a, uh, as the Braves found out. Yeah. yeah as the Braves <laughs> found out, as the Braves found out, you really, really can't make a mistake to him because he's, he's going to be a guy that punishes you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Well, that, that was mostly the game highlights. I guess the eighth and ninth innings happened, but, I mean, they didn't really happen. Nothing of uh, of consequence went down. Um, just a quick note offensively, how much the Braves have struggled. And we know that the Braves are at their best when they are hitting home runs. This team is built around the home run. The home run ball was a big reason why they won the World Series last year. I don't want folks to overlook that and go, well, if they had a bunch of singles and contact hitters, they'd be doing great. That's what the New York Mets did, and they got run off the field by the Padres. Uh, but this, these are the slugging percentages of most of the Braves' lineup in this series. Slugging percentages. Marcelo Zuna, zero. Eddie Rosario, zero. Austin Riley, .083. Michael Harris, .091. Orlando Arcia, .143. And Dansby Swanson, .250. No one's hitting Eric. I mean, nobody is hitting so far. Um, even in game two, which they won, that inning was three soft singles that just found their way through. Two of them found their way through, and one was a, a little blooper, or a, a little swinging bunt to the middle of nowhere. But it, it's Ron Acuna, it's Matt Olson, and it's Travis Darno, and nobody else is hitting. And, and I just, it's just such an odd swing from the way this team was clicking. Obviously, the series is not over, but uh, needless to say, somebody else has to start hitting if this series is going to go on much longer. Yeah, and hitting the ball hard. I mean, we're just not seeing much, like, in terms of exit velocities, we're just not seeing a lot of hard hit balls from the Braves, period. You know, and 
again, we're seeing some amount of table setting happening. Like get guys, we some guys are getting on base. You know, Ronnie's been doing a good job with that. Olsen's been doing a good job. You know, Darno's been hitting the ball pretty hard. But I mean, like there's just a lot of like weak contact and just uncompetitive at bats. Like, the Dansby's just looked just not good he he had the double tonight which was nice and you know again hopefully he can do more of that and just more like solid hard contact because look i don't want to look past the fact that the the biggest reason why the braves lost game ones and game three is because max free did not pitch well and spencer strider did not pitch well where there's no there's no getting around that right like it's just like that when you put your team in a hole like that having to come back but this is a team that's built to put up big innings you know you just get a guy on you draw a walk maybe you get a hit and get a couple guys on all of a sudden they launch a ball the, I mean they almost won game one doing just that because Matt Olson hit a home run and got them within a run the only reason that you know this we, we didn't have a, a much more fun game to talk about in game one is because Nick Castellanos made the one defensive highlight of his career happen in that in that ninth <laughs> inning right so you know like you they are this is a team that's built to do that and on a relatively regular basis, but unfortunately just the lineup's just not gotten been able to do that. So if your starters or starters are both putting you in a hole and you're not doing the thing that's like where you're built to do, and some of that is a credit to the Phillies Phillies, right? Like they're they're pitching against the their plan against the Braves is working, uh, to be sure. Uh, I am certainly willing to say that some of that is just, you know, well-executed pitches and well-executed game plans, but it's also just a lot of uncompetitive at-bats. Guys are pressing. Some guys just shouldn't be in the lineup, period. And it's it's frustrating to watch, and I know why fans are upset. Now, some of you out there are going a little bit too far, saying, like, this team is – I told you this team was going nowhere, and, you know, this is why they'll never win another title and all this other stuff. Like, you guys need to settle down a little bit. I mean, the, at the end of the day, they just haven't played well – three games into a five-game series. This is still a very good baseball team. They're certainly picking a bad time to have a bad series, and they need to figure things out quickly. But, you know, it, it, again, it's just it's just been such a weird series to have, like, what has happened, just, like, a complete power outage for the most part. You know, even the stuff that happened in this game, you know, we were I was we were almost convinced, like, you know, we were going to hear from Strider, you know, that he didn't realize how tired he was going to be or, you know, maybe he was still dealing with an injury. But he said he felt completely fine. He told the coaches he felt completely fine. He just didn't execute, and he doesn't understand where his velo went. When he was throwing pitches, he thought he was throwing them harder than he was. He just he didn't he wasn't even feeling the the velocity drop, you know, the velocity dip. And you know, then it kind of gets into you know, we can get into all the little decisions that made things worse. But at the end of the day, when you're in big spots and you need to get big hits, the Braves haven't gotten them. And when the Phillies have been in big spots and they've needed big hits, they've gotten them. And when you when when that is true, you are not going to put yourself in a good position to win any series or any game. And unfortunately, the Braves have been on the wrong end of that two games out of three so far. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. The, the Phillies have executed and the Braves have not. And that's been the story through the first three. Um, I do, though, want to paint as we as we wrap this up and look ahead a little bit. I do want to paint a little bit of a rosier picture for the Braves. Okay. They obviously game one was kind of funky. Max is not sharp. Then they had to make that comeback. They were down early, uh, left a lot of runners on base. And then the last two nights they have faced Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler for my money. Those are two of the 10 best starters in the national league, maybe the entire league when they're, when they're going well, right? The the light at the end of the tunnel here is that the pitching matchups for the next two days on paper are much friendlier than what we have seen so far. So game four, which is Saturday at 2.07, is going to be Charlie Morton, who, as we know, is well-documented on this podcast and elsewhere, has had a bit of an up-and-down and tumultuous season. But Charlie Morton against Noah Syndergaard, who the Braves have not seen a ton of this year, but Noah Syndergaard is nowhere near the pitcher he once was with the New York Mets, made a couple of starts for the club in September, was not particularly good. And realistically, it is a bullpen game for Philadelphia. I'm guessing they would be thrilled if Syndergaard goes four or five innings tomorrow. Um, But nonetheless, even as Charlie Morton has struggled, that is a significant advantage. The Braves against the Phillies bullpen game, I mean, if that's the game they end up losing and go down on, then so be it. But on paper, 
that game. And if you can win, then you're looking at a potential game five with Max Freed on regular rest against either Ranger Suarez, who looked terrible in game one, or Zach Wheeler on short rest. And it's the same Zach Wheeler who was battling, I believe, either a shoulder or elbow injury in September. On short rest, that's a lot to ask for. So I don't want to put the cart before the horse here, but the series is not over. And I want to at least bring a little bit of reassurance that uh, the Braves could still very much win this series. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, Suarez, I mean, if, if Freed has a good start in game one, I mean, the Braves win game one because Suarez was not good. The, the Phillies had to go to their bullpen early. I, again, it's one of those situations where you can kind of look back and just wonder what if. Uh, I don't think the Braves would mind going against Suarez again. Uh, and against Zach Wheeler on short rest with the issues as he's had. And he's also the guy you've beaten in this series. You've actually done something against him and you're doing it against short rest. Maybe you, you can put that together, too. Uh, I will say that uh, I am not. I don't want to put too much stock into this, but day games have not been kind to the Braves, and uh, they have one tomorrow at 2.07. Uh, Got to love having all these New York teams and West Coast teams going deeper. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it was, that was kind of inevitable with these matchups. Uh, and, you know, then you have a 4.30 game potentially on Sunday. So you have to hope that, you know, at the end of the day, the most important thing that can happen tomorrow is that Charlie Morton pitches like the way we think he can. Um now, if he's the guy who can't find the strike zone, like hits multiple guys in their back foot, has a bunch of base runners, and has issues with the home run ball, which this Phillies team can hit them, and Charlie's had a problem with them, with the with the long ball. So hopefully those things don't play out tomorrow. Otherwise, this could be this could be difficult. But I mean, Morton historically has been a big time pitcher. This is his chance to kind of he didn't get a chance to pitch really in the World Series because he broke his leg uh, and somehow managed to still get outs after that, which is still something that blows my mind. You know, that should be on paper, a good matchup for the Braves. You wonder kind of if the Phillies bullpens are going to be able to stitch together enough to kind of keep this offense at, at bay. And then if you get to that game five and you get to come back to truest, you have to love that matchup. You know, at least you put yourself in a good, you're in a good position there. You know, at the end of the day, a lot of the folks, I mean, there's a lot of folks out there who are saying like this series is over there. You know, the Braves have checked out they They don't care. You know, they're, you know, they're, they're sleepwalking, et cetera. And they have not looked good these first three games, but I am promise you that this is far from over. And if the Braves do end up losing the series, it's frankly from a position that is other than the fact that they're, they have to win two versus Philly only winning one. They are in a pretty good spot. Yeah, they are. If, uh, if it was, down 2-1 and they were about to face Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler on full rest and it was going to be like Jake Odorizzi in game one and then a bullpen game in game two yeah like Aaron Eric and I would be straight with you guys and be like yeah this doesn't look great like I I still feel like the Braves are going to win this series I don't know where you're at Eric Um, obviously they have to clean things up they have to get the bats going they need their starting pitchers to go deeper into games but I, I just don't get the sense that this team is done now. Could I be wrong? Sure. Uh, but in my heart of hearts, I still think they find a way to win these next two games. The pitching matchup is going to be in their favor. Um, getting runners on base has not been the problem. It's just been the lack of execution. And against far less pitchers than Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler, I, I just have this feeling that the bats are going to come alive and they're going to figure it out. I think all year long when this team would hit a roadblock, they would just kind of find a way to push through it and win games. Even in that final weekend of the year against the Mets, they had lost that game, I think, on Wednesday against Washington. It seemed like the division was was pretty close to being done. They had to get a sweep. And what did they do? But they played three of their best games all year against the Mets, and they win the NL East. I just don't get the the sense. I just don't feel deep down in my heart of hearts that this team is done. We'll see how the next 24 to 48 hours play out. But uh, if the Braves come back to win this series, I, I will not be shocked. I will not view it as like this crazy comeback. I think I would just view it from the lens of they lost a couple of games to really good starting pitchers. Uh, but just the depth wasn't there for the Phillies and the Braves ended up being able to come back. Yeah, I mean, look, I picked I picked the Braves in five, so we're still on track for for my prediction to be correct. I'm still leaning on that. I'm not taking away from it. I will say that, like, objectively, the Phillies are favored. 
because we just haven't seen the offense perform. And, you know, the, again, the Phillies only have to win one game. They have a game at home and the Braves have to win two to win the series. Right. Like, you know, like the odds will understandably and rightfully be in favor of the Phillies. But I, I tend to agree with you. I just I find it hard to believe that this offense is just going to just be this version of itself for more than what we've like for for these three games. More than that, I think that, you know, games four and five that we'll get things turned around and, you know, get some hard hit balls and, you know, maybe take out some frustrations. Uh, there is certainly part of me. If you just watch, you know, Snickers press conference from tonight, he just like he has that. The one thing that he has. That has down pat is kind of that disappointed dad look. You know what I mean? Where he's just oh. kind of like, and I can just imagine him looking at those guys in the clubhouse just going, well, that wasn't it. You know, that, that, that was not how we need to do this. And say again, we, we have kind of bagged on the, some of the decision-making and we don't know, you know, is the, is the, some, is, are some of these decisions being directed from the front office? How many of them are snit? All that stuff. We There's a lot of stuff we don't know that, but we've been bagging on some decision-making that's been happening. But I will say that the one thing that Snitker can do is make his guys want to run through a wall for him. And I don't think that the, this Braves team is just going to just roll over tomorrow. Uh, they, may, they, they may very well lose tomorrow, but I expect them to come out fighting tomorrow. Uh, I still, I'm, I'm not backing away. Again, they had, the Braves had to lose two games for my prediction to be right. So uh, at the end of the day, I still think the Braves win it. I still say the Braves win it in five, even though I know that the odds are probably against them right now. And there's certainly a lot of things that are in the Braves' favor other than you know the wins and losses column right now. Yeah, that's well said. Um, all right, Eric. Well, obviously a very important game four on Saturday. Uh, hopefully we have a game five on Sunday. Um, any final thoughts before we get out of here? This was, of course, a frustrating game today, but I think as we just laid out, I, I'm still optimistic. I still think this team has a real chance to advance, uh, but we'll see. So any uh, any closing thoughts before we get out of here? Yeah, I think that Braves fans probably just need to, when they're really mad, just to put down Twitter and stop, you know, and in the comments section, I think you have to just understand that sometimes just things don't go your way. Uh, and, you know, because some of the, things that you y'all are saying are pretty wild. And frankly, for your own mental health, I think sometimes you just need to understand that sometimes games just get away from you and you just go after them tomorrow. But beyond that, you know, again, I think that, you know, Scott and I have been relatively optimistic. Uh, I don't know if our good friend Bradford would uh, share that optimism. I think that, you know, Brad's generally more pessimistic, but even at the end of the day, you know, I think all of us at Talking Chop don't think that this or not talking chop at battery power. Uh, think that this, uh, yeah, I know. I, I, I'll, 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 I'll always make that mistake. It'll be, I mean, it'll be five years from now and I guarantee you I'll still do it. Yeah. Old habits. Yep. Uh, I don't think that anyone on our staff thinks that this series is over. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, it's still been a wild season regardless. Uh, been a really fun run and hopefully the Braves can finish this out and we can keep this thing going. Yeah, it's well said. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We appreciate it. As we noted, win, lose, or draw, Eric and I and Brad and the whole podcast crew will be here. So thank you for tuning in. Be sure to like, leave a review if you would like, download old episodes. That helps us out. Whatever it is you have to do, maybe uh, you are a superstitious person and have your flow. Whatever you were doing last fall, you better be doing it this time around because the Braves need some good mojo here. Uh, So we will be back on Saturday, hopefully with a Braves win. And until then, we will see you next time. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise Flagship Fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com slash Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise Flagship Fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com slash Flagship. This is a paid advertisement.